0: My name is John Hammack, and welcome to our podcast, The Data Drive, brought to you by Treasure Data. The best way for humans to comprehend data and its implications is by visualizing it. This is easier said than done. As a core aspect of visual communication, data visualization is both art and science. One needs a grasp of design as well as a grasp of the analytical task at hand. Are we showing comparisons? causality? Something else? What is not only the clearest but most compelling way to illustrate our point? One of the best known and used tools out there is a the JavaScript library known as D3JS. And one of the best people to tell us about it is today's guest, Ian Johnson, a longtime contributor and community organizer for the D3JS community. Today, we'll not only learn about D3JS, but we'll dig down and learn about how the technology leverages HTML5, as well as how it has grown since inception. We'll learn about how it integrates with other technologies in the data analytics space. And finally, we'll learn about some of the ways you can get started with it without needing to invent your own data visualization efforts from scratch. But first, a word from Treasure Data. If you're a business decision maker, a data analyst, or data scientist, you realize the value that analytics has in growing your business. Analytics helps you improve your product so you can actually focus on the customers, what they use the most, and what needs the most improvement. Analytic helps you improve your marketing so you can hone in on those people who are most likely to purchase your product as opposed to casting a wide net and hoping for just a few fish. Lastly, analytics helps you improve your operations so you can, for example, catch a service that's going down, mitigate a catastrophic event, or scale your offering or infrastructure at a reasonable rate rather than based on over or underestimating. Treasure Data offers a cloud-based, open-source-based, community-supported data application platform to help you ease or even eliminate the cost and burden of building your own data analytics pipeline from scratch. Our Open Connector, our Schema on Read ecosystem, means we can integrate with nearly every data store and visualization tool out there with the schema headache eliminated. If you want to get started right away, and we hope you do, you can go to treasuredata.com to sign up for our 14-day trial. So hello, everyone. Uh, I'm John Hammock. I'm a developer evangelist with Treasure Data. On today's podcast, I'm here today with Ian Johnson of d 3 JS fame. Welcome, Ian. Thank you. So tell me a little bit more about yourself, like how you got into data visualization and D3JS and where where sort of your general interest in this came from.
1: Sure. So I've loved programming since I found out about it when I was pretty young. And I basically tried to learn on my own in high school a little bit and Didn't get super far, but in college, I actually tried to do computer science, didn't like the major, like the way that they were teaching it. Uh, They wouldn't let me take any of the fun stuff. they were making me take all these uh, prerequisites. And so I switched around a bunch, I actually ended up doing a little bit of communications, which becomes relevant later, and ended up in applied math. And that took me down this sort of scientific computing route. I did a master's in, in that, focused on scientific visualization. So I was going really heavily towards this idea of we need to process a lot of data, usually you know coming from simulations that are being run on supercomputers. And the, the data matches sort of one-to-one with like a 3D physical model of the world, right? So if it's an earthquake simulation or a weather simulation, everything you're visualizing is something that you can kind of you'd be able to see in the real world if, if you could. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was actually an internship at the Berkeley national lab that took me to the Bay area. And while there, I, I did a hackathon called data insight and this was about 2011 and joined a random team and just had so much fun. And, and the hackathon was, was about information visualization. So it was about trying to communicate, um, you know, some maybe complex idea or some pattern in some data. They, they supplied a bunch of data sets. And, and I just really enjoyed the challenge of trying to take something that traditionally would require pages and pages of paragraphs to explain, you know, some complex phenomenon. We actually did a pretty tough subject, uh, child abuse, was data on different um, ways that children sort of Behaviors that they manifest from different types of abuse and and you know, you could describe all of those in words But we actually made a little simulation little particle simulations that kind of encoded behavior in this creative way and and I just fell in love with this idea that We could use the latest web technologies to communicate really complex things in in ways that were, you know fairly intuitive
0: Hmm. Nice yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about some of the technologies that you previously worked with sort of building up to your role in a D3JS project?
1: Yeah, so actually during college, I had the side job and we did a lot of GIS, so ge- geospatial information systems. And so I was learning a lot of like sort of database and Python, like so we use Postgres and they have the GIS plugin and And so there was a lot of data processing, right? Like you have millions of parcels in the state of Florida or, and you need to query them effectively or aggregate them somehow. So I learned a good bit of, of this idea that there was, um, you know, and this, this was also spatial data. So it was fairly also straightforward to represent visually. And so you were processing data in order to show it visually somehow. And we're doing early web maps and like, 2004, 2005, and this was before I think even jQuery really came into play, and then it, it came out and it made things easier. But SVG, for instance, was something that only worked in Firefox, and like at that time, IE was still huge and at least 50% of the market, and they had some weird VRML thing um, that was completely different vector graphics, and and we dreamed of the day that we could you know, represent all the polygons from our database with SVG and make them interactive. So when I actually went to grad school, I, I totally departed the web world. I went to OpenGL, OpenCL, like, you know, C++ plus plus kind of stuff. And when I came back, D3 had just come out. This was in 2011, right? And, and SVG was widely supported. IE didn't have this huge foothold anymore. And so I, I actually really lucked out The the startup I joined after my master's was uh, called Visually, and they were just like, hey, we need we need you to develop as many charts as you can so we can try to put them in this product, and we need you to learn D3 to do it because we, we believe SVG is going to be the future of this. And so I just spent about eight months trying to learn as much as I could, as fast as I could, and just practicing You know, D3. Turns out that actually learning D3 was really about uh, learning HTML5 Actually, so like the SVG API, CSS selectors, the CSS, you know, like the way styles apply to everything, JavaScript best practices, you know, a lot of callback management and modularizing libraries in the JavaScript ecosystem. So there's actually, like, when, and I, I tell this to a lot of people still, like, when you're learning D3, I feel like D3 is more just like this toolkit that helps you pull together all these really big APIs that are really powerful. It just makes it a little easier to work with them once you get the hang of it.
0: Can you tell me a little bit about your role with D3JS specifically?
1: Yeah, so I mean, I see myself more like a community organizer. When I, I joined that company and they were like, hey, you need to learn D3, I, we were mostly using the, the mailing list on the Google groups to, to ask and answer questions at that time. And somebody was like, "Hey, is anyone in San Francisco?" I said, "I was." Let's let's try to meet up. And about eight people showed up to a coffee shop in in Sonoma. And uh, from there, we're like, "Hey, maybe we should make a meetup page because I'd noticed that you know, there was a ton of tech meetups, and and this seemed a good time, a convenient way to organize, you know, a group of people." And quickly, it turned out that more and more companies were wanted to hire D three you know people with D three skills, and so they offered up their offices to to host meetups and people are making cool projects. So really, I, I feel like I I just kind of would choose a time and a place and invite people to show up. And then we would watch someone present something cool. We'd do show and tell, you know, just try to, you know, and, and pretty much everyone talks about the learning curve with D3. And, and I, you know, I think it, a lot of it comes from the – the need to learn all of the web apis is, is like a huge you know amount of content to, to get get down but but also you know it, when you're doing visualization it's, it can be pretty math heavy it can be thinking about design and communication, which may be stuff that people aren't used to thinking about as much if they come from a really strong engineering background mm-hmm. so this learning curve, which is different for everyone I think makes it really enticing to have a place to get together and and see what other people are doing. And, and so I really think I just facilitate that, try to make it so more and more people can connect to each other and and learn from each other.
0: Can you tell me a little bit more right now about any companies you're working with or any projects you're you're doing now that you're at Liberty to discuss?
1: Yeah. So for the past year, I've been freelancing. I've done a couple, like a, a dashboard for a startup with, you know kind of custom stuff for for their product data i guess i think i can talk a little bit about that they they sell these thermometers that are like smart thermometers right so that you you put it plug it into your phone and then you can record your symptoms and what they really want to do is make a like dashboard so they could see the flu spreading across the country right and they're, they're actually selling a lot of these so i helped them build a dashboard so they could start analyzing that and and um, doing geographic queries and see it visually. And, and so that, you know, that was pretty interesting. And I also did a project pretty excited about called Data Proofer, mm-hmm. which is a open source uh, Knight Foundation grant, fund, you know, funded project for targeted at journalists and, and sort of less tech savvy people who work with data often. And the, the problem it tries to solve is that you get a CSV or you get a spreadsheet, from some government source or some somebody has manually collected and you want to proof it, you know, you want sort of like a spell check for data. So are there missing values Are are these latitude, longitudes all valid sort of coordinates or, and and what it actually is 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 a little app that you can throw your, your data in mm-hmm. and it'll run a suite of tests. And, and the idea is that those tests are community crowdsourced as well. So that it's, it's like a framework that, people can keep building on as they, you know, each newsroom sort of does their own set of this kind of work, but they build their own, you know, one-off tools or one-off scripts. And we want to streamline that and, and encode stuff like the Quartz bad data guide. And so, yeah, we, we did that. We finished the first phase a little earlier this year and, and it's out there. People are, are using it. And yeah, so I I was pretty excited to be able to work on that for a bit. Mm -hmm. Nice. yeah. And then I guess you mentioned earlier uh, another a huge part of what I do and and what I'm is sort of like yeah my my biggest project is is Block builder. Nice. Yeah, so that and that was funded initially by Kickstarter which was a pretty cool experience to be able to say hey, you know, here's what I want to do and and 180 people said, you know, voted with their wallets and said, yeah, please please do work on that. And um for, yeah, for people who aren't familiar, it's it's an in-browser editor for it's sort of oriented around the way that we share examples in D3. Right? They're called blocks. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, you know, in some sense you could compare it to a thing like CodePen or JSFiddle, where you can, you know, write some HTML and JavaScript and, and share the results with other people. But the I think one of the main differentiators is that blocks, the the sort of way blocks are set up is that they're designed to be referenced, right? Like they're designed to be both shared and consumed as well as learned from where like there's a visual component at the top, an iframe with the visualization in it. And then below that the code is nicely formatted and any data or other code that's used in it is there. And it's sort of meant as, you know, almost like one piece of a IPython notebook or, Something like that, right? Where, oh, nice. Uh-huh. It, you know, um, and so Block Builder is kind of the editing interface to that, where because blocks are powered by GitHub Gists, there's no database, it's, it's all open and, and um, based on this like, URL lookup scheme. I can, you know, Block Builder, you can actually view anybody's block and then play with it and watch your changes reevaluate immediately. And then if you like what you've changed, you can fork that into it, your own version right and share that and say hey here's here's my take on it or why didn't this work when i tried it and that kind of stuff so yeah it makes it, it what it, it does is it, it sort of makes it really frictionless to try out some d3 and, and play with the ideas
0: this block builder, by the way, sounds like exactly the tools that I was—I um, I myself have been looking for. I mean, I've been wanting to get started with D3.js, and I've—I've I've messed around, you know, embedding things in in HTML5 documents, and I've had mixed results. I'm one of those people who doesn't have a tremendous amount of time to learn everything about the code surrounding the main idea. I just want to get to the good stuff. So it sounds to me like Block Builder is a great way to get started with D3.js. First of all, in terms of learning what's possible, because you, you have all those different blocks there as examples. But then also, and this is as someone who does like fractal art, I mean, uh, I, I particularly like the idea that you can basically play around, you can throw different things at the code and see what you end up with. Um, and this is a very sort of experimental way of, of building things, I think. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, and, and I would say it's, you know, it's a big part of the D3 community culture to to learn by example i mean mike bostock the creator of d3 has actually a really nice powerful essay on on the concept and you know it, it explains a lot of why he designed blocks to be the way they are and and how much you know how in various ways doing making small examples has helped him and his colleagues over over the years as well as the community and uh you know block builder we also sort of second phase of that project was implementing a search functionality. So we're actually indexing over 14,000 D3 examples that can be searched by like API function or just by text, you know, if you're interested in timeline visualization or something, right, you can search for that and see any examples people have made. Um, And then you can, you know, take one of those, play around with it, fork it, you know, make it your own, you know, make a remix of it or, just try to decompose it and see how how did they get that cool effect to work.
0: Nice, that that's a really great lead into my next question. So, um, this search technology, first of all, is available on blockbuilder.org, or are you just building it right now?
1: Oh no, it's available. It's at blockbuilder.org/slash/search.
0: Okay, great. Uh, I'm yeah. gonna definitely look into that. Um, my next question is right around that. So, what other technologies are you currently? using in your projects in addition to d3js obviously what other additional technology so is this search based on Elasticsearch or lucene or uh- yes was,
1: the search is Elasticsearch, and I'm, I'm thankful to elastic co for for sponsoring the hosting for that as well oh nice uh, so that's pretty cool and and it's been great i mean Elasticsearch has been great to work with yeah um, I, I do most of my back-end programming in Node.js now, so okay. scripts that sort of pull down and parse these, these gists and, and put them in Elasticsearch are written in Node. Um, the back-end of, of Block Builder is also written in Node, you know, what powers the API, basically, for uh, authentication and, and uh, saving stuff. And let's see, the front-end of Block Builder and most of the projects I've been working with are, is React.js now. Mm-hmm. there's definitely a lot of discussion in the community about how to integrate D3 and in React. It can be tricky because they, parts of D3 will overlap in functionality with parts of React, and so you have to kind of choose which one you want to handle it. Uh, but I mean, for a lot of what I'm doing, mean, at least in BlockBuilder, I'm, I'm not using much D3 in the actual code base because it's a pretty simple app that doesn't have too many visualization needs uh, yet. Um, but, yeah, I would say those are the primary tools I'm using now.
0: For your data visualizations, how do you typically source or consume your data? How, do you, how would you describe, for example, um, give me a typical scenario. So you're, you're making a data visualization of, and you can pick the example, how are you getting the data, where are you getting it from, and how are you, how are you consuming it or ingesting the data into the framework that you visual it, visualize it with?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a good question. There's, there's different, it, it does depend on the project somewhat. I've been working several client projects, you know, the clients provide the data, and, but even then, you know, ideally it's an API, like a well-documented um, fast API. But
0: we talking about a REST API passing JSON and all that?
1: Yeah, like that, that's my favorite to receive, but it's, you know, it is ideal for a reason and, and reality is often not that, that nice. Often what I'll do, I mean, definitely pretty much all my, my workflow or my process is almost always to download whatever, like some subset of the data from an API. I mean, often you get like a large dump as well. Like the initial thing in starting a project will be like, Oh, here's three months worth of data. It's gigabytes worth, let's say. And I'm, you know, whether it's the REST API or that, I'll always take some small subsection that I know I can load into the browser, right? So basically something that's a megabyte or less or maybe a couple megabytes. And then I, my personal process is to play with it in the browser, just so my iteration time is as fast as a refresh button. Or if I'm in block builder, you know, I'll typically do a small, like, you know, maybe 500k or less into a block if it's something that is not too sensitive, right? Then, I mean, the, the iteration time is even faster because as soon as you type it, it refreshes. Uh, so I, I'm very much like, I, I like to put something on the screen as soon as I can, just to, it doesn't matter if it's some ugly rectangles or whatever it is, but it always helps me get a sense of, okay, like what, you know, because as I sort of get familiar with the data and like what attributes there are or what, you know, what could I filter on? What could I aggregate? What can I count? What can I sum? Mm-hmm. Um, I can immediately start visualizing that if it's in the browser. So I don't have to think too hard about, okay, now that I want to look at this, I have to go get it from somewhere else. Right. Try mm-hmm. to it in one place as fast as possible.
0: How much effort do you uh, put into and what tools do you use to clean up the data when you're, when you're pulling it from somewhere?
1: Yeah. I mean, these days I, I typically write node or, or coffee script scripts just cause I, I'm so used to it now. Um, at I worked at this startup for the last three years before I was freelancing called Lever, and I did a lot mm-hmm. of the data engineering work there, and oh, nice. uh, you know, sort of setting up the uh, the way that we managed the customer data. and And there's a good amount of both importing and exporting data for customers. There was re, you know, sort of migrating and, and reshaping the data when we changed the way features worked and and we just did it all in, in Coffee Scripts because that's what we were writing the app in, and and so at this point it's sort of muscle memory and just writing writing quick for loops and you know there's so much stuff that you can get a, away with doing with really simple loops and really simple code, and so if you're already used to like reading in files or hitting an AJAX request to get a, some data from an API and then you just loop over it and use simple JavaScript stuff like yeah, it's far from the fastest way you could do things. But most cases when you're doing one-off stuff, which often the cleaning kind of is, right? Or it's, it's one-off until and you iterate on it until you get it right and then you don't have to run it again because you just have clean data. Yeah, that, that's, that's what I'm mostly doing, I would say.
0: Okay. Would you like to talk about um, any other side projects that you're working on right now that you'd like to tell us about? or? Um,
1: yeah, I mean, so we, and this kind of relates to the meetup, recently gave a, a one day workshop at Stamen design on working with spatial data. And I put a, a good amount of effort into building the curriculum. It's, it's a GitHub repo that you know, has a bunch of examples that people could peruse. And, and like there's challenges that you could try to implement yourself um, even without the sort of workshop instructions. And so I'm, I'm pretty into trying to find ways to like share, share my understanding of, how these, like, especially the, the interesting techniques that I see, and I, I'm always curious. Like, oh, how do they do that? I try to understand it, and then I feel compelled to try to explain it to, to others, and and so I you know do that and put some YouTube videos out. I don't do it as much as I'd like, but yeah, I'd say it's a fun side side thing to do. Very nice. Well, I want to hear,
0: we're going to wrap up right at the half hour and let you get back to your day. Before, I thank you very much for your time. And and I learned so much today. I mean, I'm definitely myself going to be checking out blockbuilder.org to get my my D3JS on. Of course, I'm also going to be digging into the main uh, D3JS uh, website, which is at D3JS.org as well, to learn more specifics about it. Can you tell us about the meetup? Do you have any organized right now? When is the next one? Can I
1: come? Yeah, absolutely. So we we do – actually, meetup's grown a lot. So it's, it's on meetup.com. It's D3 Bay Area user group. Mm-hmm. We have meetups in San Francisco, Oakland, the South Bay, you know, we have now several people organizing to help find speakers and venues. And, and so we do a, a monthly Oakland meetup and then we are starting sort of monthly gatherings we're calling data dives in both San Francisco and South Bay where we get together pretty informally and just kind of spend an evening hacking on projects and you know, everyone introduces themselves. And there's sort of like mini hackathons with no prizes. People just come to to learn together. And those have been really fun, the, the few that we've done so far. Mm-hmm. Um, and then otherwise, yeah, we when we get speakers, it, it's sort of – it's more ad hoc. So, mm-hmm. you know, if people sign up for the meetup, they'll get a notification when we have a new a new event come up in San Francisco or – South Bay.
0: All right, so that's the D3 Bay Area user group on meetup.com, did I get that right? That's right. All right, well, Ian, uh, we're coming right up on the half an hour, which is perfect time. To, to kind of wrap it up, I want to thank you very much for your time. And you can obviously learn more about D3JS at d3js.org. I encourage you to check out um, Ian's blockbuilder.org. Um, you can try the uh, his wonderful Elasticsearch search capability by doing a forward slash search. Um, I mentioned the meetup already. I am John Hammack with Treasure Data. You can learn more about a cloud based data analytics pipeline at treasuredata.com thank you very much for your time ian thank you